Hey y'all, DJ Louie here, dropping a preview of our latest Pop Pantheon All Access episode. This is, of course, our Patreon channel where we are providing at least three bonus episodes of the show per month if you subscribe at the icon tier. This week's episode is a deep dive that was requested by our Patreon subscribers into Mariah Carey's infamous bomb, Glitter, from 2001, the soundtrack to her accompanying bomb movie of the same name. And an album that got a hashtag justice for movement recently. So I invited entertainment journalist Matt Jacobs onto the show to talk all things glitter, the music, all of the surrounding drama, the J-Lo versus Mariah of it all, the 9-11 of it all, the Justice 4 movement of it all, et cetera, et cetera. It was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had on the show. So if you enjoy this clip and you want to hear the rest of this episode, plus at least three more bonus episodes of the show per month and a ton of other perks, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash poppantheon or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Uh-huh. All right, so I am here with entertainment writer Matt Jacobs. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here to talk about a formative moment in, I'm sure, both of our pop culture stories. Indeed, and a fun one to return to on numerous fronts. So, of course, we're here today to talk about Mariah Carey's 2001 soundtrack album Glitter, Mm -hmm. which obviously accompanied her infamous flop. Maybe like one of the original times, maybe we like use the word flop in (laughs) this context for a pop star. I don't know. It's really one of the most like iconic ones when I think about famous flops, right? So this is going to be a conversation that I think we can approach from like numerous angles. I obviously, we're going to be focused on the music. I'm really excited to talk about it. But you wrote an exhaustive piece for Vulture two years ago on the anniversary of Glitter called The Neverending Story of Glitter 20 Years On, which everybody should go read if you haven't. It's a great accompaniment to our conversation today. But one of the things I think this gives us a window into is like the modern phenomenon of the like justice for movements. Mm -hmm. And you write in that piece... On the one hand, the notion of justice for glitter demonstrates the way so-called stands have assigned themselves authority over pop stars' reputations, an internet phenomenon that tends to reject any criticism past or present. On the other, it is a tacit admonishment of Y2K-era pop culture consumption when the flashy MTV trappings of the rich and famous made it easier for the public at large to relish celebrities' tribulations. I just think it's really interesting because one of the things I want to unpack for you is like what this justice for movement is about and like whether it's truly warranted on the level that it kind of gets held up as. Cause sometimes I see these justice for movements and I understand where they're emanating from because of the way that a lot of women, especially in pop culture were treated, especially during this period. But then also I think it gets overblown to the point where we start to like over celebrate things that maybe don't deserve it. So totally. I'm excited to unpack that with you over this conversation. Before we get started, let me just put this out there right now. Do you believe Glitter deserved justice in the way that it received it recently? Uh... <laughs> in <laughs> short, right, said. <laughs> right? Yeah, enough said. In short, no. I think what you just got at is what my exact kind of thesis on the justice for glitter moment comes down to. Was glitter as awful as we made it out to be, as culture made it out to be in 2001? Maybe not. (laughs) Is it worth revisiting 20 odd years later? I don't really think so. But I think what the Justice for Glitter movement is really about is that relitigation thing that you were just Mm. 
talking about. All of a sudden, we have this enlightenment about the like frenzy of that tabloid era and the media saturation that so many pop stars, particularly female pop stars, female celebrities in general went through. And so I don't think it ever really was about the soundtrack or the movie. I think it was about this moment when Mariah was mocked so publicly and perhaps Mm. unjustly given some of the more personal struggles she seems to have been going through at the time. So I think it's like this weird conflation of internet stan culture that, like you said, takes things way, way, way too far. (laughs) Like, does Glitter deserve to be number one on the iTunes chart? Definitely not. Now, I will say, being number one on the iTunes chart, not that hard to achieve, not that big of a deal. (laughs) I mean, I think there are a lot of things from Mariah's career, even though she's one of the biggest hit makers ever to live, there are a lot of things that sort of didn't get there, particularly in recent years, you know, post, I guess, or, you know, the 21st century, you know, that are worth revisiting more than this, I I, I think. Mm. I'm really interested in what you said about the way that, like, internet stan culture can kind of, like, erase nuance, you know? Like, in a way, it's almost like our desires to rectify cultural injustices done towards these women in particular gets conflated with, like, over-celebrating the art that was, like, part of it. Like, that's something that I was thinking about a lot in returning to this record. And, you know, it's interesting, and I, you know, what I want to start with you dealing with is sort of, like, setting this moment up for people and, like, where, you know, Mariah was kind of coming into this and, you know, why this was so widely derided and seen as such a huge failure. But, you know, one thing that your piece was really making me think about and, you know, was kind of buttressing ideas that I had had about various justice for movements is that exact idea that, like, we feel this collective shame over our Mm. derision towards these celebrities. And instead of, like, reckoning with that more directly, we, like, decide to sort of, like, place it on, like, something that they released or, like, a piece of work in a way that, like, erases kind of critical nuance about the actual work. It's like, let's just say we're sorry by, like, buying this album and calling it the best thing of all time as, like, a mea culpa, a cultural mea culpa, or, like, a cultural justice or something like that. And then we end up in the opposite territory where, like, I'm reading pieces as I was researching for this where people are like, Glitter is an amazing, one of the best Mariah albums. And, like, I'm with you. Like, I think... It's not nearly as bad as it was made out to be at the time. Like, there's a lot of nice things happening on it. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, it's definitely, for me, probably my least favorite of the sort of, like, post-Tommy Mariah. Definitely. Yes. If that makes sense. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. Glitter is a scapegoat for all the things surrounding Glitter, basically, that were happening in culture and Mariah's life at the time. So... Tell me a little bit about Mariah leading into this glitter moment. Like, what was the, like, overarching sort of trajectory of her career through the 90s? Obviously, we do not have to go into minutia here. But just kind of, if you could give everybody a sense, especially for the listeners that, like, were not present for this, you know, in real time, what the sort of narrative surrounding Mariah and her music and sort of public-facing persona were sort of leading into 2001. And maybe, like, what any sort of major pieces of bio that we need to understand to kind of get why this was such a fall from 
from Grace. Yeah, well, I think this even more than your average just, you know, pop record, like has to be contextualized with what you're saying, with what was going on in, in Mariah's world artistically yeah. and personally at the time. And now right. it's so storied, it's so documented, both through the memoir she wrote a couple years ago, but also just through industry reporting and gossip and fodder and all that. So, you know, Glitter is a this kind of long gestating project. She really wanted to make a movie come like the late 90s. And so this is the mm. time when Mariah is like seizing control. So she leaves Tommy Mottola, her villainous husband, prisoner, etc. in <laughs> 97. And around that yeah. time, she does two things. She shifts her sound. She'd already been doing it some with kind of like fantasy and some other things, but like she shifts her sound from this, I guess, to put it in kind of superficial terms, like this kind of mature, adult contemporary, like Celine Dion adjacent sort of artistry. And I love that period of Mariah. I love uh, adult contemporary Mariah also. But what we get with Butterfly and Rainbow and the singles off of those albums that really click in the public's eye is this, what she really apparently wanted to be doing the whole time, which is like hip hop, R&B, funk, like stuff that really tapped into her roots as a Black woman, because a lot of people then did not even know that she was mixed race, that she is half Black. And so, so she finally gets this like creative control, I guess you could say. The other thing that happens around that time is she starts saying, I really want to make a movie. I want to be a movie star also. And this is the time, I think we sort of take it for granted now because now like every pop star makes a movie eventually or, and it just doesn't really matter as much to float back and forth between mediums now. Then it was like a really big deal to have crossover mm. fame. So mm. Mariah could look around at all of her peers, Diana Ross, Madonna, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Cher, York even was doing it like everybody mm -hmm. was like I'm going to make a movie that is going to open at number one or get me an Oscar nomination or get me this level of crossover prestige and there was all this synergy between the movie industry and the record industry and soundtracks and movies and videos and MTV and it was like this really I think fun and energizing like hodgepodge of culture that was going on that gives Mariah this germ of an idea that she's going to go and do this too. And it's a little bit of slow going for her. She's attached to some projects that never get going. And then apparently, as she tells the story, she writes this treatment for a movie called All That Glitters that eventually mm. becomes Glitter and is essentially what we see now in Glitter. It's the story of Billy Frank, this kind of rags to riches, troubled young woman who gets taken under the wing of a sexy music DJ producer who makes her famous and drama unfolds and blah, blah, blah. What she sort of never mentions, I think, in the course of this is like, this is a star is born. Yeah, I was literally going to say, like, <laughs> it's the star is born mold, like, done for the three trillionth time at this point. The facsimile of the star is born story. Yeah. Over and over it kind of got left. I mean, it was mentioned in reviews, obviously, by critics who knew that history, but like, she sort of almost willfully ignores the fact that she's borrowed the exact plot of a star is born and <laughs> refracted a couple of beats within it to make it more personal. So, like, 
Philly mm-hmm. is also mixed race, like some of the rise to fame, like mirrors Mariah's, et cetera. But anyway, so she she writes this treatment and they get the movie off the ground. It gets delayed a bit, doesn't end up coming out till 2001. And she's releasing more and more kind of hip hop inflected dance pop. And I think really at a really high moment in her right. career right. by the time Glitter comes around. I think it's important for anybody who didn't understand this also is that Mariah was fucking humongous like you the her run in the 90s one of the canonical imperial phases in pop history every record was gigantic multiple number one singles i mean she was a juggernaut and i think most notably when she made the transition from as you were saying from the tommy matola controlled adult contemporary ballad driven era into her more innovative and super influential hip hop oriented sound where she really fused the sounds of mainstream pop and hip hop in a way that I think we really take for granted now as like de rigueur for many pop stars. She was a huge pioneer in this. I mean, the fantasy remix and everything that came after it, it was not common at that time for a mainstream pop figure, pop star singer to collaborate with someone like Old Dirty Bastard or have a rapper on their songs. It was incredibly novel. And that she was able to prove herself to be, you know, of equal heft and success following Dumping Tommy only kind of added to the sheen of unstoppability in Mariah's career. She basically was on a tear and she she was very prolific as well. I mean, these records were coming out, you know, one every year, every two years. I mean, they were, they were one after the other and they were extremely extremely successful so i think that's important to sort of say because there's this patina over her as we enter glitter of invincibility like there is no stopping her she is a she's a juggernaut and then two other things i think we should put up as context one is she has just signed a new deal with virgin Mm -hmm. worth either 80 or 100 million i couldn't figure out what the figure is yeah depending on the source yes yeah one of the biggest record deals in history so she is just signed to this new deal kind of off the back of this non-stop run of success where it's you know it makes sense for a record label to bank on her because she's one of the most bankable stars of her generation so that feels really important so this soundtrack album which is kind of doubling as a solo mariah album is the first off this new deal with virgin and it's a big deal and then the other thing that I think we should sort of set up as context that really is important to understanding the music on Glitter is that she decides to set this movie in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And it's explicit. That was just a preview. If you want to hear the rest of this episode, plus at least three more bonus episodes of the show per month and so many more perks, subscribe at the icon tier at patreon.com slash pop pantheon or click the link in the show notes of this episode.